that 85% of your engine wear occurs at startup? Yes, that is correct. And this is where lower the friction comes in by putting a protective lubricating barrier on all moving parts. This now gives you full-time protection to make your engine last longer, run smoother, give you better performance, and improve fuel economy. People across the country are reporting some very exciting results. Go to lowerthefriction.com, place your order, and enter in promo code SOS to get 5% off of your order. That's lowerthefriction.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Secrets of Saturn weekly live stream. I am your host, Jason Lindgren. Of course, Wayne McCroy is with me, and Crow777 is going to join us this week as well. We're going to talk about manufactured scarcity, and what do we mean by that? Well, it means that the stuff that they say you can't find, you can't get it, anything like that, it's bullshit. It's total poppycock, but we'll break that down for you. But that's it in a nutshell. Gentlemen, welcome. Ahoy. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Secrets of Saturn Live here. And, uh, you know, tonight we're talking about the whole artificial scarcity concept. And that's that's what it's about. They're manufacturing uh, this whole scarcity idea with this whole epidemic going on. So uh, this is a big part of, of how they're going to start rolling things forward. And we'll get to that stuff here in a minute. Any announcements there, fellas? Well, I was going to... I was going to do the observation that's kind of like they, they've been working on this for decades now. It's like your refrigerator engineered to fail. Let me take yeah, a moment. Yeah, they call that planned obsolescence. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, Sorry. no, that, that's the, you're totally right there. Uh, Natalie in the chat room is asking about a breakdown on 432 versus 440. I don't remember if we actually did a full show on that or not, Crow, but we've discussed it several times. But uh, if you'd like to take a stab at that and then I'll fill in what, what the way I feel about it, go right ahead. Well, we, we actually do have a show that centers enough around that idea. 
Um, we have a few that mention it, and I'm guessing Rose is going to be busting out episode numbers here shortly because yeah. I can't I can't remember. But it's it's basically not really arguable um, when you start to understand how the world really works. You start to understand that frequency matters, and there's been so many people like Dr. Emoto who showed us that even your intention, human intention, can be embedded in water. Um, when you start to understand these ideas, then you come along to people like uh, Dr. Frank Olina, who says that when you get the flu, basically what's happening is your electromagnetic, fi electromagnetic field of your body has dropped in power. You begin to realize um, why we don't know a damn thing about cymatics and, uh, and things that have to do with frequencies. Why a guy who goes to school to get a PhD um, in, in electrical engineering doesn't totally understand how it works. And the reason, in this long-winded response, is that once you understand how one kind of wave works, you understand them all. And, and that is the reason. But to come back to the main question, um, 432 is more derivable. You can derive it more closely with like a Fibonacci se sequence. And by the way, 432 is not the only one. There were plenty of what they called green tunings. Um, and that's only partially true. They had different names, but Verde was one of the ones they used, which basically means green. Um, these relate to the mathematical method and how like your hand or a leaf or the human body is formed. When you get to 440, you're looking at numbers that are currently occulted in a way that they're often representing death or death's doors if it's 44. Um, and this has been, I don't know, at least until World War One, I've seen yeah. the fours used in this way. Um, so when you know that supposedly Nazis had to do with pushing the 440, but the real tell here is Rockefeller, Rothschild, some supposed Nazis for whatever the hell that ever meant that mattered in the world, they all got involved. And I think, what was it, Jason, three runs? They took three runs Something at like turning, that, yeah. yeah, three runs at turning orchestral A from basically a Verde tuning of some sort, like 432, up to 440. And you're only talking eight cycles a second, um, but there's a difference there. And a good musician um, that pays attention will tell you what the difference is. What I, The way I describe it is 432 is soothing. It's almost like a nice massage. 440 is like ACDC with a beer, very exciting, uh, more exciting in its delivery, but there's all that. All right. Well, let me see. Where do I want to start with this? Anything I play for you, by the way, if you hear music coming from me, it's going to be in 432. The album that I put out that people have actually been listening to that I have under my music project that's called Cult of Saturn, that's all done in 432. The meditation music I uh, play at the beginning here to get the stream going, that's in 432. That's that's the only stuff I'll ever use. And the whole notion is that it's it's closer to the what's supposed to be the Earth's natural cycle, which is eight cycles per second. And, you know, I've done tests even to myself, and I can always pick out the difference, even in a blind test. So there must be something to it. And I, I wouldn't say I have perfect pitch. I have good pitch, but uh, I'm, I'm more of a rock guitar player. I'm not like some massive, massively talented composer or anything like that. But I'm a decent guitar player and singer, and I can hear it, and I like, I like what it does for me. So I'm going with that. 
I have very little opinion on it myself because I'm really not a musician. So, uh, you know, I just find it amusing that Crow said the Nazi word a couple times. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. All that aside. It's like it's illusion on its own, isn't it? Um, But nonetheless, they included in this. I think it's Goebbels or someone there. Uh Yeah, Goebbels or Gerbils or whatever his name was. You know, (laughs) the the hamster guy. Yeah, that guy. Hamster guy. Did we lose Crow? Uh-oh, I think we I lost think Crow. I think we lost Crow. He was, uh, in the beginning, I, I know when we first uh, uh, got back on Skype, he, his Skype cut out there once in the before we started the stream, so oh, uh, I hope we didn't lose Crow. See. Just to kind of go on You're having technical topic, difficulties, though. please yeah. stand by. Please stand by. Let me drop him out but, uh, and I'll add him back Just to in. go on the... Okay, give it a try. And I'll talk, because I'm good at that. Uh... I was thinking of an interesting correlation between the 440 tuning and the 432 tuning would be uh, what what would musical notes look like on the color spectrum? Like if you were actually to uh, be able to equate uh, the frequency of the music to color, because we do know that frequency and color do go hand in hand. Yeah. So that's been shown uh, yeah. before. So I, I'd be interested to see what kind of colors w- would they look like with these different uh, octaves? You know what I mean? Like if you go up and down, like how would that represent in a visual type spectrum? That might be something that's interesting to look at one day. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I don't really have much of an ear, like as far as like the, from the technical side of music. I know what I like. I like all kinds of different music. And uh, as you know, I, uh, I used to play the drums. So yep. uh, I'm just a guy that likes to hang out with musicians, as uh, Baldini would say. So, um, you know, that's, that's <laughs> you know, one of those things. But uh I've never really uh, went very far with it. It was a passing interest for me. I, I do love music, though, but uh, I've never really delved deeply into the different facets of, of the different tunings and stuff like that uh, to the extent that you and Crow have. So, uh, you know, it's it's still an interesting topic to look at because frequency is so much a, of everything. And if you understand how one energy system works, you understand them all. So, like, if you're looking at harmonics or electricity or whatever it may be, all of these things that use this this waveform uh, kind of a, a system, uh, you could understand how everything works just by understanding one of those concepts. So, it is an important thing to look at. It is. And one of the things you're mentioning about the colors and all that, those are some experiments that Crow and I want to do with cymatics because that will show you different patterns of the waveform. And as a matter of fact, one of the things we've been kicking around, although we haven't really figured out exactly how we want to do it yet, for our second film, because there's really no way to do like a Shoot the Moon 2, we used almost all the footage. So that's not going to work. It's not like we have a ton of uh, really amazing objects and things like that to put in another film. Uh, And I'd also like to get a little more adventurous too. So yes, I want to do some more interviews. I like doing documentaries and all that, but... Cymatics would be incredibly challenging, and I've seen some really cool videos uh, on YouTube and things like that, but that's one of the ideas we have, but I don't know if we could do an hour-and-a-half documentary just on that, so we'd want to tie it in with, with alchemy and all that. So there's a little bit of, uh, of inside, the inside scoop on where Crow and I are uh, picking our each other's brains about, but uh, I, I'm seeing a bunch of questions here. I'm sorry, folks. Let me go back and see if there's anything I can answer quick before we get going here. Thank you, Beth. I appreciate and saying that my music is awesome. I have a bunch more 
that I have kind of half completed that I want to get out there. But I've determined that I've been determined that I'm not going to do anything until I get my actual professional studio set up, which is going to be uh, in the next couple of weeks because we close on our house on Friday, which is amazing and and kind of unexpected. This kind of came out of the blue. We didn't think we were going to be able to buy a house. So that's happening. And then the other half of the house, well, it's not really half, more like a, a quarter, is what they call a mother-in-law cottage or a mother-in-law apartment. Two rooms, uh, a big closet, and a bathroom. And I've already spoken to the guy doing some mods to the house for us. He's going to be able to do what I want to the to those rooms to make it an actual studio. So I'm going to do... I'm going to do not quite steampunk, but that kind of look. I'm going to do it with wood panels. Ooh, stained. steampunk. I love the steampunk look, like the Victorian kind of thing. So Me too. I'm going to, I'm going to let you guys in on a little secret here, uh, <laughs> if you want to call it that. This is just what, what I've been racking my brains about for the past couple of weeks because I've had to figure out exactly what I want to do so I can tell this guy. And I figured out a way that I can do this for the least amount of money because I don't have a lot of money. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to – put up rock wall soundproofing around the entire thing because it's just the apartment thingy is just that normal sheetrock kind of stuff then over that is the paneling we found birch paneling that's very reasonably priced which i'm going to stain either a dark mahogany red maybe like a dark gray black i might do the the live room and the control room two different colors just to differentiate them and i've been looking at all these really cool amazing dangly lights and things like, like the edison lights and all that so i'm going to put those around in tasteful ways and because it's not a great big space i'm not going to be able to do things like giant studios that cost hundreds of dollars an hour to rent like that i'm not going to be able to do that i just don't have that space so i'm going with intimate i'm i'm giving it a warm sound and the one thing i did do when I was working for Guitar Center for 10 years, I was buying things piece by piece because you get a killer discount working for that company. That's the one amazing thing about it. If you're a musician or, or whatever you do, it's worth it to, to pick up stuff there. So it's really cool. That's awesome. So I have all this stuff that's just sitting in my closet, most of which I haven't even opened because it's just waiting to be wired up and put all in. And I have a very, very good interface, a very good computer, some several very good mics. So I'm going to go for warm and intimate in this space, and I'm going to call a couple of friends of mine that are very good musicians, and I'm going to give them, um, I'm going to, well, I'm going to hit them up and say, hey, do you want to do a song for free with me uh, that I'm going to video, and I'm going to make little mini movies out of them, and I'm going to start a YouTube channel separate from everything else I do. The name of the studio is going to be Simulated Space Studios. I already bought the web address, and I'm going to make a separate YouTube channel where I put all this stuff up on, and we'll see if I can make a go of it just doing that for uh, extra production money and all that. I, I've always wanted my own studio. This is, like, really important to me. It's something I care a lot about. I love making music just like I like making movies. So, so there you go. That is what I am working on next. And I even made a logo uh, in a in a online kind of kind of cheesy cartoony thing but um if rose has it available she can uh she can share it the simulated spaces uh what do you call it nasa patch kind of thing i made but anyway let me see if crow's ready i was trying to uh distract everyone while crow restarted his computer but uh wayne what's going I on don't know. with your life 
What's going on with my life? Well, guys, hey, I got a little bit of an exciting announcement. Uh, I'm making my cinematic debut on May 22nd. Really? Uh, my friend uh, Richard... Yes, my friend Richard Willett is producing a new documentary. Uh, it's called Primed for Panic, Lockdown 2020. And it's debuting May 22nd on Iconic. And I'm making my cinematic debut there. So uh, I'll be on screen with the likes of David Icke and uh, Billy Ray Valentine and several other notable researchers in the community. So it, it's going to be interesting. It looks like it's going to be a quality film. That's and awesome. basically what Richard has done uh, is he's he's recorded a lot of what's going on around the world, like in real time here, to uh, document it for historical reasons. So it, it should be really cool when it comes out. And that's out May 22nd, exclusively on Iconic. So uh, people could look for that. I know they're offering a free one-week trial if people wanted to check that out. I know I'm going to because, you know... It, Looks like it's going to be a quality film. That's awesome, man. And what is it uh, actually going to be about? Let's 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 hear a little bit about this. Uh, basically, he's he talks to different researchers and different people all around the world about their experiences during this coronavirus uh, epidemic and uh, what their thoughts are on it. So uh, you know, it's it's really going to be an interesting flick. Uh, and he talks about uh, the direction this is going and uh, what we could. Uh, look forward to in the future as far as the whole transhumanist ideology and stuff like that, like things that'll be coming uh, that they're trying to produce from this whole thing and how we could still turn this thing around if we're, uh, you know, just getting the word out there and the message about this, about this is what this is about. This isn't really about a pandemic or any kind of thing about your health at all. This is about uh, uh, an agenda, a larger agenda. And it, it documents, uh, in, in real time, because he's been filming this thing through the whole thing so far, uh, it documents how uh, YouTube and all these other platforms, Facebook, are censoring people, uh, you know, and, and uh, yep. demonetizing and taking down their channels and everything. So he's looking at that end of it, too, showing the censorship. And, uh, you know, it should be a really interesting film. So I'm looking forward to that one. Cool. Let's see. A couple people are throwing questions our way uh, yeah I'm definitely going for that uh, the warm analog kind of sound a lot of the things I have are some of the best modeling of the classic gear and I do have some outboard gear too but uh, I'm very about like a warm kind of kind of sound I don't like sterile or cold but uh, my favorite thing I see FEMA region 4 is talking about uh, his 73 son that's actually the year I was born that's cool uh, I do use a Kemper. That's my favorite piece of equipment, I would say, right now. And Jeez, I would love... That's old. <laughs> You're almost as old. Sorry. But I'd love to profile I, that. I know, That'd be I'm killer. I younger than you, and I always will be. <laughs> yeah, what are you, two years younger than me, I think? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Who's I, counting, though? I try not to. But anyway, all right, so that's uh, where we're at with that anyway. Uh, hopefully, we'll get Crow back on here soon, because I, I didn't want to... Oh, I think he might be back on. Let me see. Yeah, I didn't want to start this article until he's with us because I, I know there's a lot to be said about it. You with us there, Crow? Yeah, I'm starting to suspect that Skype is doing this, so I'm not logged in anywhere. We'll see what happens. All right. Awesome. So, boy, when I have an article open like this, it makes my face all illumined. Ooh. All right, so thank you so much to uh, my friend Eric Duline who sent me this article. Oh, thank you for the super chat, by the way. Ryan, is it hard for the rest of you? Do you see half-awake people argue with the total sheep crowd? 
Well, I see mostly asleep people, and occasionally I get surprised when someone who has half a brain in their head pipes up. But unfortunately, most people, uh, they're, they're wearing the masks. And maybe that's a, a nice way of saying being a total sheep these days. But what do you guys think? Well, I think the, the mask is the new tinfoil hat, if you want my opinion. But, you know, that's just where we're at. But I see a lot of people waking up right and left. I mean, they're starting to question things now that they never have before. Because initially, when this started out, it was supposed to be two weeks. And everybody was like, okay, we could do this. We could sacrifice for two weeks and uh, stay home and, and not go out and stuff. Now people are getting stir crazy. They're like, hold on a second. This is not what we signed on for. And something is not right with it. So the longer they're dragging this out, the more people are waking up to the fact that this is not about your health. So I see some positives in that regard. Go ahead, Crow. Sorry, I didn't. I, to I don't even. I don't even really think we need to address it. I mean, look what Rick and Morty just did. I know, They've right? Got, they got face huggers that look like masks that basically steal. You don't even know who you are while well, you've got the mask on. Then they turn around and uh, do the nine eleven thing, and then they bomb Pearl Harbor just to poke <laughs> in the eye extra. Hard. No, no, wow, no. We're not. Gonna, we're not going to do the nine eleven thing. <laughs> That was ridiculous. That was I was like, oh my god, they're just going for it anymore. That's just the ultimate poke in the eye. They're not even trying. It's it's they're literally. I think they figure so many people are sleeping that they can do a face mask show like that and get away with it. You know yeah, what's it interesting like about they that are is getting away with it. Well, well, the interesting thing about that is. Like, I know South Park takes six days to make an episode because they they use it's, – it's kind of animation they use. It's not like the super high-end thing. But I thought Rick and Morty took way, way, way longer to make episodes. So I'm a little suspicious. Of like, how would they have gotten stuff out that far ahead of time unless they were – They couldn't have. Yeah, unless it, they were remember, clued in. Remember when they, when they went away last time, I think they claimed a year for production. But what they did is they broke the season in half. So they played the first half, and now they're playing the second. So production had to have been months ago on that. Had to have been. As far as I know, Rick and Morty is not one of those shows that could be made in a week. Uh, that's actually one of the reasons South Park never really advanced itself, because I've watched interviews with them because I was fascinated by the way they do stuff, where they say we, we want to be relevant. Like if something happens and we want to be topical for that week, we know we could get something out as soon as possible. And, and that makes sense. So it's a big clue. And, and Crow, you and I have talked about this, about commercials and everything, that if you see stuff that seems ridiculously relevant to something incredibly recent, uh, that's something to be suspicious of just because. I mean, things take time to make. But commercials these days are almost like little mini movies. They're shot on high-end cameras like Aria Lexus or Reds or something really, really good. Uh, and they're edited just like fast-paced with everything. The sound is top-notch. I mean, these things are not something you're doing in an hour and a half. This is episode seven, and I just watched, I don't know, a decent part of it. But even look at the title. It's episode seven, so there's your Zion, your mind weapon. It's called Face Huggers or People Too. Yeah. Um, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yay, yay, yay. I'll tell you, but they're, they're just so out in the open with it. And like you said, the production value on, on things like that, it has to be. It has to be months in advance like months in advance. So they have to have some kind of foreknowledge of, of things to come when they're putting these things together. I mean, just look at all the commercials on TV. I find it hard to believe that in this situation where uh, most of the United States are locked down, they're still 
producing these commercials. I mean, where, where are they finding the actors, first of all, <laughs> uh, to, to do the commercials? And how do they have it so very catered to what's going on? It's And it's all it all has very similar production values, too. They use the whole, uh, you know, we're all in this together line and everything else. They put, put in these same themes in all the different commercials and stuff. And it, it's like, come on. It's, it's like totally a Tavistock yeah. script you know, there's an, being handed down. There's another thing, and I was going to ask Jason about it. Um, the train one, which was just a complete slap across the face. Yeah, um, they're they're starting a lot of a lot of mainstream entertainment, which I consider Rick and Morty, um, are starting to push the idea that we're living in the Matrix, literally living in the Matrix. But um, on the train one at the very end, where he's doing his whole, the only reason you're here to buy crap. They gave a, <laughs> yeah. a web address and said this is real. And I'm wondering, was there really a website? Um, I, I didn't go to it. I, I had watched it when I was really tired and I meant to do it the next day and then just never got around to it. But, hey, if anybody knows what we're talking about, let us know. You know, it wouldn't surprise me <laughs> if it's a real website. They, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I wonder if I could drop this in. in the, let me try and see if I can put this image out. Um I'm sorry if I'm missing questions here in the, in the, in the chat. Tracy, thanks for the uh, super chat. You guys are the heroes. Humanity needs... Well, I don't feel much like a hero. I know I speak for all of us going into the fire with our heads held high. We're doing what we can, but uh, I, I think heroes do little braver things than we do. But thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm just That's a fat nice guy that sits in front of a microphone, so I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess I can't add a, a picture in here. Or can I? Did that let me? No, I guess I can't. The joy of technology. When it works, it works, and when it doesn't, well, you know the rest. All right, I guess I can't add a. Uh, yeah, now I screwed it all up. <laughs> there's, there's got to be a tie-in too with this train piercer thing they've been pushing so hard. I don't. I guess. Oh, I... the snow piercer. Yeah. That's a movie from just a few years back that starred the Captain America guy, whatever his name is, uh, Chris Evans. I guess that wasn't enough of a kick in the face, so they're going to make a TV show out of it. That movie was pretty brutal and kind of disgusting. Like, it, it felt really nasty to me. Uh, yeah, I don't even... Um... So here's what I'm reading. Uh, someone bought storytrains.com, and it redirected to Trump after Rick and Morty. Ah! <laughs> Zulu says, any, says it, it's not I don't know if any of that's true. Here's, here's the link right here. Oh, no, that goes to Rick... And Morty, uh, I don't know what's going on. I could care less, I guess. Thanks, Web Identity. Appreciate the super chat there. Um, all right. Do you want to move on to this article? We're going to start getting into this scarcity thing now since we've kind of been a little rambly here. But um, hopefully your computer stays up. We can actually get to this. Again, thanks to my friend Eric, who's a, a local Louisiana guy. He's always sending me stuff that is very useful. So... Wisconsin Supreme Court strikes down safer at home order order. All right. Palms emergency order 28 is declared unlawful, invalid and unenforceable. The, the Wisconsin Supreme Court has finally ruled on the state's lockdown order in a case argued a week ago. For our background on the case and issues, there are prior posts called Wisconsin legislators sues to stop governor's stay at home order. Wisconsin Supreme Court schedules argument and legislators lockdown lawsuit against the governor. And isn't state's lockdown order the very definition of tyranny? Well, I think we would all agree with that. But let's see. Is there more on this I can read out? But 
Crow, you and I have been saying pretty much from the beginning that all of this is unconstitutional and that they can't be saying they, they can't be saying what they're saying or doing what they're doing. It's just it is poppycock and hogwash. Well, part of the problem we have is everything that's been done since long before our lifetime has been unconstitutional, but it doesn't undermine what the Constitution represents, and it doesn't undermine the fact that they have to recognize it uh, in this false system. That's why they all swear allegiance to it on some level, which is kind of underhanded. Um, but the, the truth is, it's it's hard to start talking about things being unconstitutional when we've just lived a whole lifetime where everything is. Rick and Morty, by the way, I see a couple people asking. That's uh, an Adult Swim show. Unless you know how to do evil things like uh, torrents, then you could find it on there easy enough. But I don't know anything about that. I don't know how to use computers. I'm a long-haired, stupid person. So... <laughs> What uh, what do you want to say about this article, Wayne? Uh, anything about the unconstitutional nature of telling people that they have to stay at home? Well, it's definitely unconstitutional, uh, you know, by definition. And uh, we have a similar situation going on here in Pennsylvania right now. See, Lord Emperor Governor Wolf here uh, declared this state of emergency and has all these different counties on lockdown. So what happened here is certain counties, uh, representatives of them were coming forward and saying, hey, we're not going to obey the governor's orders. We're opening back up. And uh, the law enforcement agencies of those counties and stuff is saying we're not going to enforce the governor's orders. So the governor came back and doubled down and is now threatening to pool funding from these counties if they disobey his order. Uh, you know, the state funding that they get. It, the financial threat, quote, huh? Unquote, yes, he's using that. So he's he's telling them he's going to do that as their quote-unquote reward for desertion. So this yeah, guy, that, that's a tell on too. a power trip. That, that's a tell, too, because a person who does that is clearly not worried about any legal ramification. Um, so no, he's kind, not. Yeah, that's the exactly. Problem. Kind of kind of shows you where the governors are at. And if you reference the Rockefeller 2010 doc, uh, which we talked about earlier today, it says flat out that one of the strategies that will be employed is they're going to identify the leaders of any uprising. They're going to put them down with law enforcement, and it's implied that it will be illegal the way that's done. And then they will go a step further to ensure that no remuneration, recuperation, or recompense can be gained through the legal system after the violation of law enforcement is applied to the leaders. And so when you see governors acting like this, you would think that if you're going to act like that, you're not really too worried about anything coming your way on the backside of it. Because in a real world, there's no defending any of it. No, there's not. And this actually equates to what you would call an illegal government. It's an illegitimate government. Yeah, so with tyranny. that being said... Yeah, it's it's tyranny. It's an illegitimate government. So therefore, by mandate, by constitutional mandate, we do not have to obey any edicts given by such illegitimate government. And not only that, it, it's also uh, kind of our, our mandate to, uh, you know, battle against that and not stand for that. Uh, we have the right as citizens, according to the Constitution, if something like this happens, it's our duty to stand up and kick these people out of their seats of power and, and take take back what's you know for the people so when you look at that i mean it's definitely unconstitutional but something i think we should discuss at a future date guys and i'll have to dig this up i i found this documentation a couple of years ago and i just thought of it now uh they actually have different uh training 
initiatives and and different uh, nonprofit organizations that train governors in governance across the United States. And they all go through these different programs. And that's that's something people need to be aware of. I'll have to look it up and see the documents. Tavistock is hooked to that, by the way, according to one of Coleman's recent books. I see. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it for an instant. I see something from um, DLive here. Riffin Bear says, hey, crows and bears, David Weiss exempt card working all over Denver. Eye contact, smiles, and friendly banter helps. That's good to hear, man. That's really good to hear. Well, it's part of what's great about what David did there is he's playing on one of the exemptions they wrote into their nonsense. But let's let's address a thing real quick. I just saw in a chat someone saying this thing that I keep hearing, how the Constitution doesn't apply to us, that we're all bound by admiralty law, which is nonsense. We have been bound by admiralty law, but the reason we were bound is because we didn't know any better. We didn't know we were corporations at birth. Generations of people went by not knowing that. So who, if you want to know the truth, I'll ask a simple question. Are you lost at sea? Are you dead? Because if you're not lost at sea and you're not dead, then you're not bound by admiralty law, and that's just a farce, and it's a lie, basically. If you're breathing, like I am, then I can claim to be a living man. If I'm a living man, then the Constitution, in fact, applies to me. It's just been a long time since a generation of people have seen clearly enough to understand what's gone on. We now understand what's gone on. I am a breathing man and a living man. How about you, Wayne? Oh, I'm definitely breathing, and uh, I think I'm living still, so, (laughs) you know... uh, how many pots of coffee later? Uh, that's, <laughs> that's beside the point, though. But yeah, it, I don't know. It, this whole thing just has me really aggravated at this point because people just blindly listen to what they're told and do what they're told without questioning things. And it's like basically you're being told go home and die. You know, that's that's what they're telling you <laughs> in a nutshell. Go home and die. And people are okay, you know, in their little sheepish way. And they just line up and go home and die. And it's sad, really, um, because that's basically where we're at with society today. Now, I have been running into more people lately that are like, you know, something's not right with all of this. This is enough already. And uh, by and large, people are starting to uh, get the feeling that something's not totally legit with this whole situation. So with that being said, I do see... Yeah, I, I definitely see hope with this. People I never thought in a million years would ever look at anything like quote-unquote conspiratorial or anything are now looking at this stuff, and I see them posting it all over the place. Like my sister-in-law, I, I never would have thought in a million years she would even look at this stuff or even consider it, and now she's been posting stuff the past couple of weeks that are like, wow, good for you, you know? I'm looking at it thinking this is good because that that means they're questioning things and they understand this is not what it's about. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I'm glad to see people waking up to it, but it's sad that we had to go through this in order for that to happen. You know, it's funny because people are going back to the earliest episodes on Crow triple seven radio. Um, and they're saying, my God, how did you know? And a lot of people used to say, Oh, you guys are just con- conspiracy people. I tell them, no, this is, all researched this is real um they're not laughing and they're not crying conspiracy anymore but we should make another point you know the rights that you think you have or the rights that you want to have the only rights you actually have are the ones you'll stand up for and i will point out that as all this nonsense 
about the beer bug started on HBO, which is a very watched channel. Uh, they put all their Hollywood actors out to rerun this thing where each one would write, read a line of the Constitution and then go through the Bill of Rights. Um, and it goes to show you, they're, they're touting it in your face, that all this possibility exists right in front of you. The only problem is that for the last, what, five generations, everyone's been asleep at the wheel thinking that their government has been defending them when, in fact, the government has been going the other way um, far from us. So the point I would make is you have any rights that you will stand up for, basically. How, how do you think the people in charge got all the power they've got? Do you think someone handed it to them, or do you think they went and took it? Well, basically, they went and they took it because nobody was standing up for their rights. So right. it was easy pickings. But now I, I think they're going to get themselves in a situation where it's not going to be so easy pickings. But uh, unfortunately, I think they're they're really prepared for that situation. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be some trying times ahead. But uh, I do see a lot of optimistic uh, opportunities here. So I, I think we can we can make things right and good still. So uh, that that's why it's so important that we, we speak up and, and just get the message out to everybody. Uh, you're not alone. And, and that's what people need to understand, because this is how they got us to this state where we are. This is how they instilled this spirit of fear within us, by making, making us isolated. We're, we're in isolated pockets, uh, you know, all over the world. Like, you know, it, I know I toiled for years in, a, in obscurity here, just studying this stuff and looking at this stuff and understanding this stuff with nobody to talk to about it. Nobody else understood well, there's a large group of people that understand now, and uh, we're able to communicate with one another in ways that we never were able before. So, you know, this this offers me hope. Uh, people are wise to this now, whereas when I first really started delving heavily into this stuff about 15 years ago, uh, people didn't know any of this stuff that's go going on, and now it's out in the, the open in front of everybody's eyes. And, you know, I, I've watched it quietly coming to culmination for the past 15 plus years that I've, I've been looking at this stuff. So it offers me hope to know people are waking up, but I, I just hope it's not too little too late at this point. And I, I really don't think it is because uh, when people in large enough numbers are wise to this, it's just not going to stand. And that's the way that it's going to be. But uh, it, it might be a tough road to get there. But at this point... I do see hope, and I want to keep on focusing on that hope. Well, I see people missing the point all, all over the point. No, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights were not first steps towards willful enslavement. The first steps to willful enslavement was removing humanity, the living man and woman, from the equation. That was done with illegal laws that are provably not true. I'm breathing. It's provably not true that I'm lost at sea. The problem is, is that all these things were done and no one recognized it for what it was or where it was coming from and it crept and each little bit crept forward. There's a reason why these men still stand up and kind of pledge allegiance to the Constitution when they take office because they have to. And if you go back and read the document, and it may not be all you've dreamed of, but at this point it's too damn bad. We don't have time to make a new tool. We can't even gather online because the moment a group gathers, they're just going to be shut down. As a matter of fact, if a, if a video is about to go viral in some way from some perceived leader, they'll know three days before it happens and they'll just censor it. 
So the problem here is what do we have to work with now? We ain't going out to form new groups easily. It's all there is to it. We don't control the internet. We don't control the information systems. We don't control television. We don't control the data collection. But there is a constitution. If I woke up tomorrow morning and every person in this country said, you know what, we've had enough. We want the constitution back. We want it now. Do you know how many pieces of this nonsense would crumble at that very moment? Just think about it. And yeah, I agree with you. It's not everything. It's not utopia. There is no utopia. But it's a damn sight closer than probably any country that I'm aware of in the history that we can know about has come to the point where places like Australia copied it verbatim. Um, the, the problem here is not what is the best thing that we can get in the world. The problem here is, is we're facing a shitstorm. What do we have to try to combat it? Right, and I agree with you. And, and here's the thing, Crow. I really firmly, honestly believe that the founding fathers of this nation had good intentions in setting up this form of government the way they did in writing this constitution. In fact, like the constitution, this was not the first draft for this country. So, you know, they had to put a lot of effort into this. And uh, basically, I think they did it with good intentions and goodwill, but they knew in their hearts that uh, at some point, uh, everybody, these the, the people of the nation would become complacent and lose it all. And that's kind of why they set it up the way that they did. So, uh, you know, when it comes down, we kind of stepped away from what these principles were in the beginning and in the founding of this nation. And because of that, uh, we've been led astray. And, and, you know, these powers that be stepped in and took control of the reins because the common man just kind of absolved himself of responsibility and gave it away to these, these people who stepped up and took responsibility for things and they saw this and recognized this and so they decided to take control and once they take control once you have power power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely and uh, with no checks and balances in place nobody really uh, nobody watching the hen house per se they they ran with it and that's how it kind of escalated and snowballed and to the point that it is today I, I, I would add this um there was a time back in the day when people were higher-minded, they were more righteous and godly, they respected women, they had morals, and that's the time these documents came to be. And I'll diverge a little bit from what you said, because I maintain if anyone knew who Ben Franklin was, his damn picture would not be on the $100 bill. <laughs> He's involved in the Hellfire Club, yes, all indeed. kinds of, of heinous sex magic and secret societies and a lot of the founding fathers could probably be placed not far from that but you the think point anybody is, called him worshipful master <laughs> oh no doubt well, <laughs> he was actually yeah it doesn't matter he founded the hellfire club so what difference does it make whether you know that's almost a sight worse but the point i would make is that's kind of what they had to do and the reason they had to do it is because common law was still common and common law is based in biblical ideas as God's law and common law I would live with happily to the end of my life anytime anytime if I was given that choice I'd snatch it up you don't harm someone there's no foul I'm about that all day long you you don't screw someone over or cause them loss or hurt them then there is no reason to be standing anywhere near a courtroom or some ticket from a cop or any of this nonsense and those were the Which basic ideas 
But but what actually happened was as they outlined these things already, the gears were turning. Um, and by the way, some of those founding fathers didn't even want the common people to vote because they didn't think they were capable of voting in the way they wanted, which is why they set up the Electoral College. And that's another proof that the founding fathers were a bunch of dicks. Um, <laughs> well, they're a bunch the, of the rich landowners. They, that's what they were. Well, they're, they're, they're screaming democracy, screaming republic, screaming all these things while they put a backdoor to power and they hide the fact that no one has ever voted to seat the highest seat in this land. So it shows you who the founding fathers were um, by intent. But nonetheless, those ideas were drawn in a time that was way more moral, way more awake, way more a lot of things that we could say. It wasn't so fallen as we are now. Um, and like I said, yeah, it's not utopia. It may not be all, all you've ever dreamed of in a Coke and a shake, but I'll tell you something. It's a crap load better from the, uh, the tyranny that's upon us. Right, and the whole point of that is this was the best shot we had. These guys knew it was the best shot we had, and they knew we would fail at it, so they gave it to us. And uh, now that we've failed it, they've taken the reins of power back, and it, it's, you know, it they, shows they, you. I mean, the go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Jason and I are, are running a show tomorrow on Henry Kissinger, which is case in point. Here's a man who could be called the Bernays of politics. We've shown the, just the unimaginable amount of damage Bernays did to our society through basically mind warping, marketing, things like this, public relations. Uh, Bernays was like the king of damage to society. Well, in a lot of ways, Kissinger was that on the political arena. And that old goat's in his 90s, and he's still got all the power he ever had, apparently. But the point I would make is he was alive as... The gold standard was pulled away from our money. He was alive as all our health care went for profit. It was a different world. I was alive. I saw it. They used to say things like, oh, the gold is, you know, there's so much gold for this, this amount of gold for a dollar. And they used to mess with that number. Mm -hmm. Point is, in 1964 or 5, Tubal Cain, I mean 007, uh, put out a movie called Goldfinger where they worked mightily because that was one of the most popular movie franchises of the time to show us that all our gold, the wealth of America was safe in Fort Knox. They showed it to us in a movie. 007 saved it from being nuked against some dude with a hat that would guillotine you, remember? <laughs> okay, that, that's what was going on. Well, a few short years later, under Nixon and in the realm of Henry Kissinger, they turned your paper literally into paper. And by the way, they then told you that all that gold was safe. And even all the way, I, I think it was the 80s, they were still faking news crews in there to show you this one tiny room that had gold in it. Um, so my point is, is, yeah, we know who these people are, Tubal Cain, I mean 007. We know who their bloodline is. We know what they've been about. And they've basically thefted, for all we know. Um, I, I assume Fort Knox is empty. I don't know if anyone's seen in there lately or if there was any, any gold, but at one point it was known to hold the wealth of America, and that's when we went to fiat currency. So these, these dudes that have been doing these things are not a lot different than the founding fathers. They're from the same bloodlines. They're in a less moral time, so they can probably get away with more shenanigans, but at some point we got to say we've had enough yep. um, because the truth of it is is they derive their authority from the people and if that's not true then we better get used to kings and queens again 
Well, we do have some modern royalty, don't we? We got dipshit uh, people like uh, Bill Gates out there pretending he's a doctor and telling the entire planet what they should be doing with their bodies and where does his authority come from? Screw that guy. From your television, that's where he's an actor. Um, he's like the the guy in Tesla. They they control media. This is this is part of what's happened to us. You know, Wayne's been looking at this for so many years. I know he's going to understand exactly what I'm going to say. You get to a point where you can look backwards at all the movies that were so popular and all the TV shows that were so popular, and you realize in their entirety why they were there, what they were doing. They were processing everybody, literally processing everybody. And when you get to that level of realization, it's a different world. You know, you're not in Kansas anymore. You can't fake like this is fun anymore because you can see it for what it is um and this is what's happened and the onset of media and movies and all these other things has been one slow creep to processing everyone if i tried to sit here and tell you that any person that watches the wizard of oz is being processed how many people are even going to believe that if i point out that when that movie starts there's something different about that movie and everyone thinks, well, that's because it's a classic. That's because it's cleverly put together. But it's really no different. It's in the same vein as like Hotel California. Why is it every time that song comes on, there's something slightly different about it? Hooky. Um, it's because they're doing a thing with those two things, particularly more so than in other, other things that we're exposed to. And this has been a big part of how we've ended up where this is how we went asleep. We were entertained into a blissful you know what was it what's it been for me 50 some year odd sleep (laughs) yeah precisely you can look back now and and just see how they've they've strung us along with all of this and you know I, i don't think you would be able to see it while it was happening like a lot of people like like you know if you're not hip to the whole idea of what's going on you you just don't see it and you know you're being processed just like you said like like through your whole uh, early adulthood per se, uh, and this this is generally what happens. People generally don't start getting wise to this stuff till they're at least in their thirties. So it, that's just my experience anyway. Uh, yeah. you, you, you're, not, you're not wise to it. You're you're not worldly wise. You don't understand what's going on, and you've been processed your whole childhood up through your early adulthood, and then uh, you know a lot of times it doesn't make sense to you, and something kind of wakes you out of the slumber a little bit. But that doesn't usually happen until you're a little bit further on in years. And it's sad that it has to be that way because, you know, if we were wise to these things when we were younger, uh, imagine just how much more we could expose this stuff and make people understand it. Yeah, but that's kind of how clever all this is put together because when you're younger, you're not interested in things like that. You're interested in what young people are interested in. You're good. You want to meet a girl. You want to go to a party. You want to be interested in a band. And that's why these things are so effective. You can go back. Anyone can go back and watch Leave It to Beaver, which of course is schmarmy and overly exemplifying what the period of time it represents is, but not by a lot. Um, just in the TV way, the kind of polishy TV way. But you can see how the parents are upset because the children want to go watch monster movies on Saturday. And that's such a horrid thing, you know. We can't allow that. But you see the way it's being put together, it's almost like the parents are being made fun of because what's the harm? So what? They go see Godzilla. But you can see the social narrative being challenged at that time 
where before children were expected to conduct themselves on a level and be able to do things. You had to get your chores done. You had to make sure you could read and write and do all these things. And that's where the, the divide line is, right there at the end of the 50s. That's where the line was drawn. Of course, they didn't paint that line in red until the 60s, but uh, you can still see how it went down and you can see the intense centralification, if that's a word which it ain't, um, of oh, It of is media. now. Yeah, of media, you know, it's really been wholly media driven has has brought us to where we are. You know, let's steer this uh, back to what we were originally going to talk about, which is manufactured scarcity. Now, oh, let's say maybe the late 1800s all the way up until then, things were made to last. I think that's a pretty fair statement, at least by most people. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yeah, quality. Quality, Built by right. craftsmen with, with intent to be a quality thing. It's something you still see right. with the Amish and the Mennonites and all them. Like they still build things to last because they don't want to build it again. Like they made it and they made it to last. Right, and that's out of necessity too. Like if you want to, if you have to make something yourself, you're going to want to make it the best quality that you can so it lasts as long as possible, so you don't have to do it again. And that's the whole point of it. But uh, we live in a throwaway society now, so that's one of the things that has been. Uh, you know, really moved forward through the industrial age here. Yeah, there's a term I came up with years ago called disposable society because that's what I kept seeing and kept seeing it getting worse and worse and worse and it was really bothering me to the point that cars are getting disposable. I was like, this is ridiculous. How can we just keep blowing through resources like this? We we can't. That's what's going on here. (laughs) This reset will address that too. Yeah, but I'm thinking like I was thinking of that stuff like 15 years ago. Well, they, they've driven us to the precipice, um, and they understand alchemy, and I'm certain that they understand we're living in a sealed flask, and I'm also certain that they know damn well, no matter how bad they jack where people are living, if they walk away for 100, 150 years, it'll be as it ever was. So, I actually remember this from uh, 11th grade history class, and probably earlier than that. Things, even into the 20th century, were made very well, to the point that once you bought a stove or, or maybe a kettle or anything like that in those early years of the 20th century, you didn't need another one. You bought it. It was made well. It lasted. And warehouses sometimes got stuck, filled up with products that couldn't be sold because they did too damn good of a job. And, of course, having integrity is a wonderful thing, and I respect it, of course. But this is when manufacturers started getting the idea to build in obsolescence into things or making it so that something would last X amount of years and then you'd need another one to the point but, where we're at I, now. Go ahead. I, I guess I'd point out a thing here. Um, there used to be mom and pa type businesses and there used to be families who had handed down the trades that they were doing in this country like cobblers or any number of things I could point at. I don't think they ever would have walked away from quality manufacturing at that small business level. Um, if you go back and look at how much General Electric and Westinghouse owned, you'll get your damn mind blown. People had no idea why every clock, when the first digital clocks came out, why every one of them said Westinghouse or mm. GE on them. Right. Um, that's that's when the problem came. And again, we're back to corporation. And what is corporation? It's a dead body given the rights of a living man or woman, basically. And so we're back around to these perverse legal narratives that have no existence in reality, provably, and yet they drive our society right now. So I think I would argue that if it would have been left at 
small business or family business that grew or didn't or did whatever it did, that there wouldn't have been this planned obsolescence of anything. Right. Local business, small local business. And that's always been one of the keystones uh, of the American way uh, going back uh, from the early industrial age on forward uh, up until probably right around the, the 1950s, 1960s. That's when everything started to see this big reset towards the uh, the, the planned obsolescence society. And, and that's exactly what you're talking about. Big corporation came in, took over. Uh, GE still owns an unbelievable amount of stuff, guys. It's crazy. Uh, and they're the heavily point, intertwined yeah, with the industrial, uh, military-industrial complex. It's insane. Yes, they are. Yes, indeed. And, uh, you can't even track it all, Wayne, because they started making no. so many subsidiaries to try to hide the fact that they were bigger than Goliath. Right, and that's a lot of the problem. So this this takes out small businesses and eliminates the the smaller competition and monopolizes things into the hands of the these few corporations at the top. And we see them doubling down now with this whole thing going on because what they're doing with these state lockdowns and stuff like that, this is driving small businesses into bankruptcy and failure. And guess what? The big box retailers are still open. You can still go to Walmart, but you can't go to the little mom and pop grocery store down the street, can you? You know what I mean? Or the hardware store, I should say, because right now they still have what they call uh, – what is it, essential businesses or something open. So if a grocery store could stay open, but by and large, it's it's mostly all the big box retailers and stuff that are remaining open through all of this. Most of your small businesses are being strangled, and that's what's happening. And, you know, this is by design in my view. Of course it is. I mean, did, did Walmart or Target or Walgreens or any of those freaking places have any problems staying open during this nonsense? No. All the people suffering are the mom and pop businesses. And by the way, Crow, you are correct. The uh, the advent of corporations, the big manufacturing firms, that is what started doing in what I was talking about in the early 20th century. And of course, what I know now is you had people like Bernays coming in, pushing the you need you need to buy because I'm going to convince you that you want it through emotional cues and all that. Well, think, right. think about, one of the, think, think about this. Like my wife and I, when we were living in San Diego, uh, we moved into a place that we stayed the whole time I was doing the telescope work. We we're in that place in Lemon Grove. They had, uh, people might know what I'm talking about. It's one of these old fifties, early fifties, maybe even late forties, Wedgwood stoves. Um, and it had been there that whole time. So consider living in a society where you know you just bought this Wedgwood stove and it's going to last for you and your children. That's how well it's made. It might need to be touched up once or twice, but it's still going to be around. And actually, you know that it's so well made that anyone who truly loved it could keep it going for a number of generations. Think about <clears throat> consumption. Think about pollution. Think about all the things that go with the fact that everyone who didn't have a Wedgwood stove were, first of all, burning electricity at an ungodly rate, mostly, and they were replacing that thing every 15 years, 20 years, when they came out with the Energy Star thing. Um, that really began to shorten the lives of things. But my point is, when you do that across a country, you're talking about millions, gazillions of gallons of everything from product to energy to whatever, the trucks that move it. Um, it's just use at a level that can't be sustained forever, um, which is probably part of what's going to get reset here. My point being is if we went back to quality things that were built to last, consumption would just plummet. 
Right. Well, it sure would. The other thing, of course, that started happening at that same time was the complete monopolization of the oil industry by the Rockefellers. And I think that's really what did us in in that case, because what did the Rockefellers do? I mean, of course, they have the uh, supposed monopoly laws, which are <laughs> they ended up making more money by splitting up that massive empire that they had. Uh, that, and that's a fact. That's not even conspiracy that can be shown just with mainstream history. But what did they end up doing? They ended up co convincing everyone that oil, that petroleum coming out of the ground is a rare commodity and a uh, a not stable commodity. There's only so much of it in certain places, and it's it's only got we've only got so much we can get out of it, and it costs us so much to get out of the ground and all this nonsense. When it turns out that's not true, that's just completely utterly not true. The fo the fossil fuel notion is complete poppycock. Uh, I, I strongly suspect that the abiotic f uh, fuel abiotic oil theory is way more correct, although I couldn't possibly tell you what the actual physics of it are. But there there are people who have reported that they've uncapped wells from decades ago and of there's petroleum coming back up through or Yeah. It's it's coming back from somewhere in the earth. So it's a real thing. It's it's a it's a real thing. It's all nonsense. So what and do we have happening? They fed it to you. You know, then they fed it to us, Jason. Well of course. Okay. Just like Sinclair with their pretty little dinosaur logo and all that. You know, their big orange brontosaurus. Well, I mean, literally, like with vitamins and pharmaceuticals, those are all petro, petro chemicals. Indeed, they are. Make those things. So when you think we've done shows taking, on this, yeah, we we covered it a little bit today. You know, go buy your centrum. Where do you think that's coming from? <laughs> or your your your. You know, who was it we had on not too long ago that that made the claim? Other than antibiotics, which they have, they don't need to be defended. It means against life, but they do stop an infection. But they said there is no pharmaceutical. That cures anything on the market, um, and the vast majority of them are made from petrochemicals. I thought that was an interesting claim, and I'd like to look into that more. They are mostly made from petrochemicals. In fact, that's kind of how the whole pharmaceutical industry, as we know it, came about. Is uh, these these guys at Rockefeller Oil and other places? They sat down brainstorming one day and said, "How in the world could we get rid of these industrial waste products that we're making with this stuff?" And that's how big pharmaceutical came about. They used it to make plastics and, and things of that nature. And uh, they use a lot of these plastics in, in these different quote-unquote medicines today in these pharmaceuticals. So this this is where it comes from. That, that's all derived from big oil. It all piggybacks on one, on top of one another. Big pretty pharma crude. and big oil. Yeah, it is pretty crude. Same <laughs> way we got our water, Jack, too, right? What they put in our water yep. is fluoride is a byproduct of... Uh, metal production and glass production. Right. Yep. And of course, the, the big boys of oil all over the world do whatever they want to do. They they float the prices up and down depending upon how it suits them. And of course, some people pay a lot bigger premium than others. But it's all nonsense. There's plenty of oil. E even reports I had seen from years and years ago say there's three giant reserves just on our side of the Americas that haven't even been tapped yet. for them. So for them to ever ever say that this is a scarce thing they're just they're full of it they're completely full of it so let's tie that now into what's going on today where they're saying that there are certain things that are scarce and things like that well i don't think so we've actually got people telling us that uh, they've been in places such as a walmart warehouse because they do deliveries and they're stockpiling products and not putting it out so they're creating an artificial scarcity Absolutely, they are. 
and that's that's a lot of what's going on right now, uh, especially when you look at things like food. Right now, they're trying to jack with the the food supply, and what they're doing is uh, these these government uh, agencies that are always always on top of these farmers that your uh, private farmers and stuff. What they do is these farmers are producing actually surplus, but uh, because they're not able to sell the surplus for whatever reason, the government will give them X amount of dollars to destroy it. So that's what's going on right now. That's why a couple of weeks ago you see where farmers are dumping like hundreds of gallons of milk and stuff like that and destroying uh, pigs and things like that for the food supply. And then all of a sudden we're hearing about this outbreak of the COVID-19 in these meat processing plants. I can't talk. Meat <laughs> processing plants. Uh, huh? So, I, I mean, you could see the narrative is there. They're trying to create this food shortage, but there's no shortage of food. No. See, there's a surplus of food, and they're trying to destroy these surpluses, and uh, they're trying to shut down the production means to create the appearance that there's not enough food for everyone. And what this will do is ultimately cause a panic when it's, when you're talking about food. It's bad enough when it's like, say, toilet paper. But uh, when you mess with food, uh, you know, it's a whole different ballgame when it comes well, to that. But th- think, uh, think of the strategic messing with food, too. So what they did is they closed everywhere. But all those dry foods through places, you know, the, the people that serve food that's not really food. Uh, how many people since this started, do you suppose, went to a Burger King or a McDonald's like a lot? that normally might have visited occasionally, there's another direct assault. Um, Because if you've significantly increased that kind of food consumption, you've also increased unhealthiness. Um, It goes on and on and on. And not only that, we're we're starting to see like whispers of legislation here and there. Well, you'll be able to go back and sit in a restaurant as long as you're six feet away from people and all the nonsense they're going to put on it. But you have to give your home address and your phone number I was laughing. I said, "Define. I'll be cooking at home for the rest of my life. Doesn't bother me." Oh, and uh, now here's the thing: Crow Triple Seven, episode sorry. seventy-six, is the one on crude oil. If anybody wants the uh, the big, big breakdown on that, that, that was the last episode we got up before they deleted my they deleted my YouTube channel on episode seventy-seven. I remember that was for the Mandalay nonsense. Oh yeah, man, we've done so many episodes. It seems like. We're on 220. That was 77. Good grief. But anyway, sorry, Wayne. James Alfred came in brilliantly showing that it was playing Macbeth. By the way, that's an episode I'm going to be putting together. Everything's drawn from Macbeth for some reason. Bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. Sorry, Wayne, we stepped on you there. That's okay. I forgot where I was going with that anyway. So (laughs) That happens. It always seems Uh, like you have a little bit of a lag, which is why that happens so much. I don't know why. Yeah, I... I don't know why I have that lag either. Maybe it's because of my sucky internet service provider frontier. <laughs> <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, I, I don't know because it, it's all I got out here. It, it, it is a trade-off I'll take any day of the week to uh, live out in the boondocks where I do and not have to deal with the stupidity of city life. So that's that's just my take on it. I'd gladly trade away, you know, really super fast internet speed for uh, country life. But, uh Anyway, back back on topic, uh, when you're talking about uh, this manufactured scarcity, uh, you could see how places like, say, a Walmart warehouse could make this happen. They're, they're just hoarding the product and not putting it out onto the store shelves to create the appearance that there's a shortage of it. And I can tell you from years and years of business experience in the retail business, uh, these commodities and stuff like that, 
you order this stuff well in advance. I was actually a buyer for a company uh, for perishables, and you ordered this stuff well in advance. You placed your purchase orders well in advance, many, many months in advance, especially if you worked for like a, uh, a big chain store that runs a lot of sales and stuff like that. They order this product. They place their product orders for this, this, uh, these products many, many months in advance to plan for this stuff. Well, you have so to. We even did that at Guitar Center. You, you oh, have yeah. to. There's no, there's no choice because That's of the, the way the trucking line, lanes work. Right. And I could also tell you from personal knowledge because uh, uh, right here where I live in Pennsylvania, just slightly north of us here, is the largest manufacturing plant of, uh, for Procter & Gamble of uh, Bounty Paper Towels and Charmin Toilet Paper. And my brother-in-law works there. They're, they're, they haven't stopped production or cut production any. In fact, they've, they've increased production. So there's plenty of product rolling out of those plants. And uh, so th- th- that's, that's the thing. I mean, the products, they're making them, they're being manufactured, and they're being shipped out. It's just they're not getting into the hands of the consumers. And why is that? Well, it's because, you know, somebody somewhere decided, eh, we better hold on to this stuff for a while for whatever reason. And so you have, like, Walmart warehousing it and then trying to figure out the best way to allocate it to where it needs to go. And I, I, I assure you, probably what's happening is some big executive somewhere at the top of uh, the company is trying to figure out where's the best place that we could place this to get maximum profits. Uh, where, where's the biggest shortage of this? We'll ship it here. We'll ship it there. Because this, this all ties into the logistics network and the, the transportation hub. Uh, using the trucking and everything to, to get stuff around. So they'll warehouse it in a centralized location and then distribute it out to whichever different centers they think would be the best place to put it at the time where they can maximize their profits. So they will they would rather hold a bunch of stock in the warehouse and send just a little at a time trickling into the stores to maximize their profitability from it rather than send it all out in mass and bulk and stock the shelves like normal so that people could just purchase it whenever they want but this this creates an increase in demand for it so that's why they do it now well, they, did, me, uh... they did do the courtesy of naming everything properly they're chain stores right so we're not fooled. <laughs> yeah we're in meaning yes be bound by the chain store and of yeah, course that's I mean, the main I, I ones in the retail market for years yeah see episode 219 chains <laughs> yes, yes. I hope everyone enjoys that one tomorrow. I put a lot of work into this Henry Kissinger episode, and it's a doozy. It's a it's a doozy. But anyway, this uh, this email that was uh, very graciously sent to me. I'm not going to name anything about this individual, but they sent a few pictures, and it blatantly says that they've been a trucker for Walmart for an account for Walmart, and that they they documented them creating false scarcity by storing stuff in the back while keeping the shelves out in the front of the store bare. They also have barrels of chemicals that are labeled shopping cart disinfectant. So, I mean, I'm not going to put these out because this is, I don't want to do anything to jeopardize this person. But this is just one person. And Crow, we had somebody else too, and I'm forgetting what it was. But do you remember what the other, uh, the other email mm-hmm. we received about the same thing? I mean, it, it's just it more. It was basically just, yeah, it's the same thing. Just another person on the inside working. I forwarded you guys the email. Um, but I, I'm to a point where I don't even respond to those because I know Google's basically up to no good all the time. So I just do I just do regular things on Gmail. Creator, thanks for the uh, super chat asking what's the status of the four horsemen idea. You know, we tried to follow that with um, with news, and I didn't 
I didn't really see enough to really sell me on it, but Crow, that was that was your spearhead there. Yeah, I don't. Did they do Wayne? I just haven't had time. Wayne, did they do the sacrifice? Do you know? Uh, I don't know. I haven't really followed up on that as what of we, yet. But let's uh, look. Let's look at Revelation. Uh, I think it only goes up to twelve. We're on thirteen today. So I looked. I looked at oh, a few no, of them, and I, I didn't see a ton. Here, here's Revelation five for May thirteen. Verse thirteen would be. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb to praise and honor the glory and power forever and ever. And by the way, I didn't switch this over to KJV. This is just the NIV, the worst Bible ever printed. Um, But um, I don't know, Wayne, have you ever have you had time to track? I, I had probably four or five pretty direct hits. Um, so yeah, when I, I looked at it, I found a couple uh, correlations that look like they may match up. I don't know if the looking at it as as like the calendar kind of idea with the verse and verse number hey, is I, really I, lining up I hate to properly. Do this, guys. But... My my dog just woke up. I got to take a two minute break, or I'm going to be cleaning the floor. That's I'll fine. Be right back. <laughs> Best of luck, man. No, but like I was saying, um, I I don't really see where it's it's necessarily lined up. Uh, as far as like uh, book and verse, uh, like chapter and verse, with the actual dates, but uh, you could definitely see uh, the concepts are unrolling before our eyes. I mean, the first horseman has always been the, the white horse, and that's usually correlates to uh, either pestilence and or conquest. And we see that going on with this whole COVID thing. The next one we could expect would be the red horse, which is associated with war. Uh, so there might be something uh, maybe a little different than what we would expect with that. Like maybe this is a whole war against, uh, you know, this this whole concept of this COVID-19 or whatever. Then maybe that's the, the narrative they'll push with it. Or more likely a civil war might be another thing that's a possibility to come along with this. So, I mean... We're, we're looking at what I would say is, is the unfolding of these things in front of our eyes right now because we could see the, the concept of the first horse has been rolled out. And I'm talking strictly from an archetypal viewpoint here. Uh, yeah, you could see, we're not making claims that, like that, that the literal revelations is happening. Let's make that really clear. Right. I, I'm, I'm not being that, uh, you know, that doom and gloom guy saying this Fire is what, you know, it's, oh, it's the end of the world. Yes, it's the end of the world. I'm just saying these are the archetypes that have been put forward in the Book of Revelation, and uh, they're they're lining up right now with things going on. So uh, you could say that either these prophecies are coming to fruition in front of our eyes, or they're being steered in that direction by the people who are using this as a game plan. Right, because and they could that, just as, that they I think could ease, to be the more likely scenario. Right, it it could be both. I mean, that's the whole thing that, that goes along with it. It's it's could be that insidious. But uh, you're looking at it, it's uh, it's unfurling in front of our eyes. We, we've seen the rise of what we could call the first horseman, the pestilence or conquest, which those two things really seem tied together in this whole thing going on, the pestilence and conquest, because we've, we've pretty much been conquered. Walk around wearing a mask, showing your subservience to it. So... When you look at that, and then you look at all the strife, the civil strife coming along, you could easily see how the second horse, uh, the the one that's associated with warfare, the red horse, uh, 
could come to fruition any time now. And then after that, the third horse, uh, that would be the black horse. And uh, I think that one that one ha- has the scales of justice. So that one would be famine. So famine would come next after that. And then the, the final horse is the pale horse or the, the death. Death rides on the pale horse. So you can see these things, the archetypes lining up like in the, in the particular, in the, the correct order. Uh, as far as the whole thing with uh, the the calendar dates and the uh, the uh, the book and and chapter and verse numbers and stuff lining up, I don't think that's really panned out. I mean, there are a couple places where you have hits on that, and as far as the uh, the the sacrifice at the, the temple or uh, you know with it in Israel, I, I don't know if that actually occurred or not on May the seventh like they were saying in the, the Israeli news article that we found. Right. But uh, we, that's something we'll have to follow up on. And whether that did or not, I don't know if it's relevant or not at this point. So, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can read a lot of this stuff, and there's a lot of different esoteric encodings within the Book of Revelation itself. And there's also a lot of different theological concepts that go with it. So there's there's just whole layers of meaning, but you can see the general framework of it tying together at this point as far as the four horsemen thing so just to answer the question with the horsemen it remains to be seen what's going to happen but you can definitely see how the arrows are pointing in that direction they are and um all right so that's that's one thing now i i did turn the google voice thing on and I guess I could throw this out there. If anybody has actual information about other things they can verify with this situation, uh, I'd like to to hear from you. If you're up for it, we can keep your identity obviously a secret. And the uh, the call in number now now seriously, don't bombard us because this it's kind of annoying the way it rings online and all that. And I'm probably going to reiterate your question to uh, to Crow and to Wayne, but the number is nine eight five. Eight 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 zero five eight six. If you can verify anything to do with the beer bug and, and this make believe scarcity, or have any information that you would want to share with a pretty wide audience, uh, we'd like to hear from you. So I just put it in the chat room. Let me put it on D Live as well. If you've got something to contribute to that, we'd love to hear from you. But anyway, yeah, anybody who's seen or experienced any of that out there, where, where say you go into, if you're a delivery person or something that goes somewhere to a warehouse or something and see just massive quantities of these goods that are supposedly in short supply just stockpiled there let us know i mean call in i mean this is not something that i think is out of the realm of possibility it's probably widespread i mean if we've gotten emails from people showing us pictures and stuff of this and just knowing like jason and i both have a retail background and and kind of know how it works i and I actually know how both sides of the supply chain work with it because I also worked in the distribution end as well. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that this could be what's happening is they're warehousing products and just creating this artificial scarcity of it. So that's kind of how we came up with the idea for doing this on the show tonight because we, we saw that going on. So if anybody else has any information about that, give us a call. Absolutely. So anyway, Crow, uh, since you were gone, I gave out the the Google number. If anybody's got information on uh, firsthand information, like their driver or something like that, I'd like them to call in and and share information with us on anything they've got firsthand. 
eyeballs on the situation kind of thing. So anyway, we'll see if that gets us anywhere. Cool. Uh, we had another one, Crow. Did Do you remember what it was as far as... Uh, let me look. I, I sent it to you guys today, so I'll just yeah, backtrack. I've got, I got a bunch more emails. I kind of got lost in my shuffle, but th- this is going on. This this is not uh, a unique thing or, or a, a limited thing. Let me see. A bunch of people are messaging us here. Let's see if anybody is. Can I elaborate on the shopping cart disinfectant? There's a picture with these giant drums uh, in, the, in these in these things that just say copying shopping cart disinfectant and that's it if you see uh here's here's a good example uh when i went to trader joe's day before yesterday or was that yesterday i don't even remember too many days go by but anyway i was just at the trader joe's in new orleans and uh, they're the worst by the way with with all this nonsense they have x's that everybody has to stand or not x's they're little little dashes that everybody has to stand six feet apart and they're just scrubbing every cart and everybody's wearing masks and they're only letting a few people in at the same time. Absolute insanity. And I just kind of give them sarcastic glowers because I'm just so over this nonsense. I can't even take in the reusable shopping bags that I bought from them because normally they push this stuff and like, no, you can't use those right now. So even though I like their stuff, I like a lot of their products. No. Man, annoying. So now these these supposedly environmentally friendly corporations are ah screw the environment, use the plastic. Here you go. Uh, well, paper, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, they're like either we'll we'll put them back in the shopping cart for you, or we'll nicely pack it in our paper bags. Well, yeah, whatever. But anyway, you know, I'm kind of curious. Our big uh, first chunk of letting all this nonsense go starts on Friday, the fifteenth. And uh, they're, they're supposed to allow restaurants to uh, start opening up to 25% capacity. And um, they they got to do the tables uh, X amount of feet apart. There has to be enough room for the six feet bullshit, like all that, all that crap. And that's including employees, by the way. So they can't even sell to 25% of their normal capacity of customers. That's their capacity, period. So whatever they're occupancy is they're only allowed to go up to 25 percent of that by by the order so man i hope people start um really start pushing back to that but anyway um again if anybody wants to call in and let us know if they've got any firsthand information it's 985-888-0586 we have a little little over half an hour left uh, i'd love to hear more information or anything you've got to contribute to that because i'm sure there are people out there who do this stuff i absolutely will not uh, put any of your personal info out let's see got a couple more messages here i need yeah, to check yeah, on i can't find it um i've looked through i thought it was today but i just don't see it no i don't think it's anything nefarious by the way as far as that uh, disinfectant i think that they're just using tons of it and chewing through it so it's just they're spraying the carts down constantly i've seen them do it they do it at the trader joe's they do it at uh when dixie i've seen doing it which is another grocery store chain that's that's here in louisiana they're, they're just they're just being cuckoo that's all they're just Going no, I just I meant be careful because there may be very few places where that gets warehoused. Oh yeah, yeah well. I'm not saying anything about any of that. Yeah, just I'm keeping that on the down low. But anyway, enforced scarcity is definitely the name of the game. Uh, 
I wanted to make the comparisons to oil and how they do that. Uh, Crow's old enough that he can actually remember when they pulled that nonsense twice in the 1970s. So if you want to say what you saw firsthand, I'm I'm not quite old enough to remember that. But um, this is an example of when the big boys of the corporations decide to screw with everything. What did you well, see? They just- well, they decided there wasn't enough oil in the world anymore, so people weren't going to be able to get gas when they needed it. And then they blamed it all on uh, the Middle East to start to defame them. And then, of course, the news stories started to come up where people had spotted a gas tanker in the desert just dumping its cargo. So the typical kind of confused the hell out of everybody. But it got to the point where we were driving from San Diego to Rhode Island where you could only get gas depending on the last number on your plate odd or even number would determine which day of the week you could get gas and then uh, the second time around we got stuck probably coming the other way i don't remember i remember going from san diego to there but it became you could only get half a tank at a time Um, and it was all manufactured and it was all to raise the ire of americans against opec um, when the truth of it is that OPEC never controlled any of that. As a matter of fact, you can go look up every borderline in the Middle East and find out that it has nothing to do with people from the Middle East if it wasn't France or Britain or us um, manipulating what's gone on over there. And the oils, you know, we did we did an episode, Jason, and what was it, Southern California... Southern California something, Mobile, Exxon, I don't remember. Southern California something was the oil company that claimed to have first tapped the big oil reserves. And if I remember correctly, it was in the early 60s. But they were already vying for control as far back as the 40s for the oil reserves they knew were there. So the whole thing was exactly what we're talking about. Completely manufactured, completely engineered to be what it was. But the main story is not just that people couldn't get the gas. They pissed off every American at all these idiots in the Middle East who aren't quite human beings. And by the way, they wear these weird towels on their heads. <laughs> so there was all that, all the engineering, the hatred engineering yeah. was put into it to make them seem like they're not quite human beings like we are, which is done every time. I mean, look back at World War II. Um, now they try to distance themselves from the fact that they called Japanese people Japs. Yep. And they would, they would draw a cartoon to Right, of buck teeth hanging out yep. and, and all these other yep, I've things. I've seen some but... of those old cars. I watched a bunch of that stuff, Crow, when we were writing the John Ford episode. There was a lot of, like, absolute bullshit propaganda I watched. Uh, I kind of flipped through some of it. And, man, they were they were brutal. Uh, even the stuff with Donald Duck and uh, yep. what was the other one? Private Snafu. That was the one. I watched kind of flip through a few of those. They were hardcore about pumping people's well, heads which is, stuff. Which is ironic because Snafu has an F-bomb in it if you take apart the acronym. Yes. But pe- people didn't know back in the day because back in the day, if they would have known there was an F-bomb in private Snafu's name, <laughs> they'd have raised hell, which is kind of ironic. Right, and that was supposed to be an instructional kind of series for mostly younger recruits, you know, the early cadets and all that. But... I watched some of those and I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's indoctrination of just a different kind. But uh, to, to give you an idea of how they implant this stuff in children, now I'm sure things are different these days just because the technology has changed so much. But I remember in third grade, all of us being gathered together to watch a film on fossil fuel scarcities. And they went through 
gas slash petroleum, natural gas, uh, coal, and was there another one? I'm trying to remember. But anyway, they were flashing up on the screen how many years they had left. And I think coal's the one that they said they had the most of, but I honestly don't remember anymore. That was 30-odd years ago. But um, this is a third grader. What the hell does a third grader know about this kind of stuff. All they were doing was implanting this nonsense. <laughs> he he like, needs to know like it I have to be concerned about the, the gas drive. at the car, you know, like that I, 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 am I going to be able to put gas in my car this week, honey? It's, what the hell does no, a third grader know? That's the point, Jason. Exactly. So they indoctrinated you in third grade. So by the right. time you're 16, you understand why you're paying way too much for gas. And there you go. And there you go. And this is, of course, right. after this would have been the early 80s. So this is after the gas crisis crap of the 70s. So. It's all bullshit, it's, folks, it's, and it's, it's bad all for such you. A, you know, we I, I can remember in the '80s when gas finally hit a buck sixty-five, and we, everyone was fuming um, because gas <laughs> was up to a buck sixty-five, which is actually people laugh now, but it was a lot of money because of what the wages were. Um, so a buck sixty-five for a gallon of gas was a lot, but all the way up at the end of the '90s, when gas had gone quite a bit higher than that by a long shot. Uh, my wife and I were driving from San Diego to Rhode Island. We got in the middle of the country and there was 99 cent gas. And this was at the end of the 90s. And it just goes to show what a scam all of it is. Because um, I think in San Diego, there were over three bucks, I'm guessing, by the end of the 90s. Certainly right there in the ballpark. Zulu one just says, how come no teachers asked why are we showing this? Well, who knows what they were saying behind closed doors, but they sure as hell aren't saying that to the third graders, right? Now, I was in advanced classes, and maybe they thought we could handle it. But, I mean, still, third graders? Bullshit. You know? Absolute indoctrination, in my opinion. And it made me think about other things that they showed us, you know? I remember the AIDS thing being pushed once I got into uh, junior high, fifth, sixth, or excuse me, uh, sixth, seventh, eighth grade posters everywhere this is when they're really pushing the aid scare and all that i mean it's all fear porn man they get that crap <laughs> into your head as young as you they think you could possibly assimilate it in some way shape or form getting too many babies Brought from the hippie era you know love the one you're with do drugs make love by the time the 80s got here they're saying man these hippies had way too many babies time to slow that down there's aids <laughs> yep, brought to you by Dr. Anthony Fauci and company. <laughs> so, you know. Which is the Jaws of the Wolf, which is also the name of your governor, in case it was lost on anyone. Yeah. Back to Rome. Yep, or... who, who was it that won Game of Thrones? Wasn't it the Wolf Banner? I don't know. I never watched the show. Couldn't care less about it. I'm kind of a dick about uh, fantasy. Ooh. Anyhow. Did I hit a nerve? <laughs> Everybody like fantasy. I like I like Tolkien <laughs> fantasy. After that, I just don't give a shit. It's like Tolkien did it. In my opinion, he did it the best. Don't need anything else other than that. Yeah, but then read Dune, and Tolkien seems like he was in uh, seventh grade. That came yeah. afterwards. Yeah. I've read Dune. I started Dune Messiah too, but it kind of got a little weird. And I, I mm. the first one's fantastic. I I loved the first one. I'm kind of horrified. There. I don't know if you know this, Crow. They're making another Dune movie right now, like a supposedly very big budget. This will be attempt number three to put it on film, and let's see if it's as weird as David Lynch's or as a kind of milk toasts as the Sci-Fi Channel's version. Yeah, my nephews um, are all reading Dune now. Um, you know, the thing about Dune is it's a one-to-one -one allegory, even to the point where each book forces you to kill your babies. Like, you like this place or these characters. Well, that's all about to change. Um, it goes, it, it continues on that way. 
when they get into the son's books, which are nowhere near as good as the father's books. Um, but well, then, yeah, they then, start then they start to deal with to cash in on it. With, yeah, many thousands of years have elapsed, and they start to show, oh, this used to be a desert. Well, it ain't anymore. They did prequels um, too, like House Harkonnen and House This and House That. They were filling all that in. I think in the '90s they were doing that stuff. I never read any of those. No, I, I didn't read either. The, I read the Fathers, and then I said, "What the hell? If the if the son's any good?" And I ended up. What are there six of them? I think there's six from each of them. Is that right? I don't remember. I think there's um, six books. Yeah, to the original, and that that finishes out because I, at the end of the the Dune, the original Dune saga, Dune isn't a Dune anymore. It's a water planet. Like they've completely uh, terraformed it, and whatever. I don't even remember the storyline anymore. But I'm curious to see how far they take it. I mean, in this modern SJW insanity world, I, they're just going to destroy it like they destroy everything else. Like, it's not going to be good. They're not going to do it justice. Nothing is done good anymore. It's just entertainment, man. It's not here it's to... It's not even entertainment. The, it's, it's not here to improve the world. <laughs> it's indoctrination. That's what it is. Yeah. Try to indoctrinate you. It'll be interesting. I, I don't know if I'll take the time to see it, but the book, the, the original books are a one-to-one allegory about what matters and how our world is governed. Um, well, we bring this up all the time. The first Dune book says another most thing of is, it. Well, another thing is the water thing. That's going to be kicking in here shortly, too, and that's all tied up in the story of Dune. And, of course, the all-important Butlerian Jihad, which we are creeping towards, I'm sure. Oh, I see Al- Albus is saying in the... Uh chat room about the ozone layer holes that was another big one they pushed on us that was like the some of the earliest of the environmental crap where they're saying humans are at fault for destroying stuff and because it seems pretty okay to me they even made yeah, a joke was, about that in the first yeah, RoboCop movie. Yeah, we used way movie. too much hairspray in the 80s. Well, they That's did. It. They did. All that Aquanet. <laughs> aerosol. It was. That all that was, Aquanet messed they, it all up. They literally said on the news that all the, all the hairspray was contributing to the problem. <laughs> What was it? Chlorofluorocarbons? Is that what it was called? Yep, that's what it is. Flor- yeah. Chlorofluorocarbons. Didn't the queen save yeah, yeah. our lives? Didn't she repair the, the hole in the Oh, yeah. Zone? Wasn't it the queen and Bush or something like that? <laughs> the queen's yep, Bush? Or something like that. I don't want to go there. <laughs> no, nobody does. <laughs> so... Okay, let's. Uh, we only got about half an hour left here. Let's let's do a little projection here. What do we think we could possibly keep tell people to keep their eyes open for in the times time ahead? And I'll, I'll kick us off here. I have gotten several people telling me things from their own jobs that they are definitely. Uh, let's see how I can I do this without giving anything away. Organizations have contingency plans, if you even want to call them a contingency plan, that things are going to go on in the fall. Like this whole nonsense is going to happen all over again, and they've already got things in mind. As a matter of fact, a lot of schools and several other organizations already have things in place to keep everyone at home again. No, no gatherings. Uh, what what else do you think, especially with commodities and things like that? Just like we saw with the toilet paper nonsense. What do you guys think we can uh, tell people to keep an eye out for and try and look ahead to protect themselves? I'm thinking... Go ahead, Wayne. Go ahead, Crow. No, you do it. I was going to say, all right, I think we could look for the whole shortage of the food supply thing to be pushed really hard. Uh, I think that's something that's coming. Uh, They're going to start limiting quantities that go onto the shelves in the supermarkets and stuff. And they're going to limit the amount of quantities and stuff you could purchase. I mean, you could already see that uh, starting in, in several markets right now. I mean, uh, it's 
it's going to start hitting a little harder now within the next next couple of weeks, depending upon where you are in the, the country here. But uh, that that's something that they're pushing hard. I mean, they're preparing uh, for shortages of these different supplies. And then you're also going to see different businesses and stuff are going to have to open back up, but they're going to have to do so slowly uh, so that there's going to be all these different ridiculous draconian policies in place where they'll have these big uh, plastic sheets and stuff in front of you. You see this going on already in some places, but they're making this like a mandated thing for like businesses everywhere. You're going to have these uh, plastic shields separating like the employees from the customers. Uh, you're going to have to stand six feet apart. You're only allowed a certain amount of occupancy of what you normally would, like half your occupancy or something like that. And that's going to be the normal thing. And you're still going to be mandated to have to go in and wear a mask and stuff like that. That stuff is going to be uh, continuing on, I think, through the summer months here at least. And then uh, I do see a lot of tells. They've been trying to push this whole narrative of a second wave of this coming probably in the fall. Uh, you know, knowing the things I know, I would suspect September would be an obvious time for them to do this. Right. Because, you know, it, it's always September. And usually right around the 11th, usually, just coincidentally. Well, yeah. we gotta, we got to ask, are they, are, is it even possible that we pass September 11th this year without a false event or, you know, the other shoe dropping its on? I don't think they can resist. Do you guys? I mean, look at Rick and Morty. They don't give a damn. No, um, can't help the, themselves. Rick and Morty maybe point. is they taking over for themselves. the Simpsons. I, I I wonder. Maybe the Simpsons is winding down finally, so they're giving it to the biggest cartoon in the world now. I always hated the Simpsons, so it wouldn't bother me. <laughs> I if never they watched went away. anywhere near as much as a lot of people. I've seen some of it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's I, funny, I, but I remember it never did it when for it me. came out. It looked like a bad version of you know Ren and Stimpy. The animation was so bad. Oh, the early and early I, stuff is is bad. Yeah. I recognized it for what it is. It's just a lower culture. It's to lower, normalize lowness. So, all right. I know folks are saying, why is everyone in the world falling for this, like other countries and things like that? Uh, do you want any better proof that if you want to use an Alex Jones term, New World Order exists? There you well, go. Well, some of those, well, I would point out that places like Italy and places like Spain that are so hard hit with these draconian measures they're not that big their populations and their land masses are much easier to control here right. in the united states we got a few things going for us um this is a big big place for anyone who's ever drove driven across it you know how big it is not only that you've got independent states not only that someone somewhere oh isn't that that old document we're talking gave people the right to bear arms um by the way people should go look up the dict act d-i-c-t I think it's also called the Militia Act of maybe 1903, 1906, something like that. The Dictac. Go ahead and look it up. Um, these are problems in the same way that the Constitution is a problem. For this to go forward, for this to come full circle into the hellscape that's aimed for the 1984, where we all change our name to Winston, whether you're a girl or a boy, it doesn't matter. Uh, the Constitution has to go bye-bye, officially, formally. Um, because as long as it, it exists, it's like that. It's like that heir to the throne uh, and the king that's sitting there the whole time. All he can think of is where's that other heir to the throne. It's like that. Now, what, Wayne, did I cut you off again? Nope. 
he's got like a bad lag or something. He does, yeah, and I don't mean to do it. And uh, it's a little easier with just three of us, but but I know we keep doing it anyway. But I count to three now. Yeah, I started doing it. You know, it's even worse on TFR. I noticed <laughs> it's uh, when you try and get calls and everything like that. So there's a horrible lag, and people accidentally walk over each other, and it gets very frustrating. But that's beside the point. Uh, this one isn't so bad. I bet you the Google Voice thing that uh, there's a bad bad lag. I haven't used it in a bit. But anyway, uh, so what can we do about this? Let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, get things with – you don't have to stockpile like go nuts. But learn how to be more self-sufficient. I mean, I guess that's the first thing you could say. And since we're not talking about things until fall, you've got a few months. Take your time and, and get a water filter. Get, maybe get some seeds and grow some things. Learn, learn yeah, a few plant, things. Plant. Yeah, plant. If like you've got simple, a little bit of yard, stuff. get a get a chicken or two. Um, if you're not completely vegan, uh, grow some things. There's a bunch of things you can do. Um, like for me, I don't, I don't really, I'm as close to being vegetarian as you can be without officially being, and we were going to make the switch. Um, but I've already had to reassess because I know what's coming. There may be a time I have to fish, um, and that'll change everything, but, uh, I won't do that for pleasure because I can. But if it comes down to survival, I'll do it. But you've got to think about things you can do for yourself. And some of the easy things, like chickens are pretty damn easy, and they provide quite a bit of food. You know, you talk to these people that are starting their own kind of home farm things, and to a person, when you talk to them, they'll say, I've got an acre, I could feed 10 families. Um, And it's a telling thing, you know. And you should think about these things. If you've got any yard at all, you could plant an apple tree or an orange tree this year if you're out west an avocado tree that supplements his food there's things we could have been doing all along which used to be commonplace when i was young and i came here to rhode island every single house in this neighborhood had a garden every one of them um and even now uh numbers of them still do where the residents live here full time and that's been a change in my lifetime i uh, got a question hey, another go ahead jason uh crow uh... Oh, like thanks to the super chat says pertaining to what Crow said previously, Exodus Exodus six twenty. I don't know what that is. Do either of you? Oh yes, right off the top of my head, I have a search engine. <laughs> uh, somebody <laughs> said I'm obsessed with water filters. Let me tell you why I think water filters are a good idea. They're not very expensive, and if the dickheads in charge cut off the water for any reason, the water filter that I have, I can go to the swamp next door to me, take a bucket and pour it in there, and all of a sudden I've got drinking water and I can have coffee again. That's why I'm obsessed with them. I don't think that's a bad thing, but hey, to each their own. You don't think you need one? It's up to you. Wayne? Yeah, it wouldn't hurt to have one anyway, even if you don't need one, but uh, I would say there's there's other other simple things we could do. I mean, Learn how to do some gardening, like just plant some stuff in your garden and learn how to can. That's an important thing. Yep. Learn how can, to do jar, canning. all that stuff. Uh, yeah, it's it's not hard to do. I mean, you, you could find instructional videos on it on YouTube even if you have to. But uh, my, my wife's mother is an avid canner. I mean, they, they have uh, a rather large garden and she just cans constantly, like all the time. So, like, they, they have stockpiles and stockpiles of stuff just from their own homegrown garden, all these different vegetables and stuff that they've canned. And she taught me a couple of years ago how to do the canning and, and how to do it all. And it's not hard at all. And it keeps for a long, long time. And it's food that you'll have on the shelf that, you know, if you need it, there it is. 
and if you learn how to do the the gardening end of it and how to grow your own food, you'll have a constant resource, like renewable resource coming of food. So you learn how to do those two things, learn how to grow it, how to pick it and harvest it and everything else, and learn how to can it to preserve it. There you go. And no refrigeration necessary even. Right. So it's it's an important set of skills that people used to have that they really don't anymore. But, you know, it, it is handy to know in case you are in a tight spot because uh, this is largely how a lot of our grandparents survived the Depression. Yep. Yeah, it used Absolutely. to be commonplace. Everyone did. But anyhow, the guy who posted the, the Exodus scripture i am guessing has been studying because it relates directly to the bloodline of moses and his older brother if i'm not mistaken aaron who moses ends up uh training so this is the bloodlines that become the high priests um, by law for the temple for the jewish temple um this stuff is obfuscated from the bible and there's a whole tale that i may or may not get into at some point later but that's what the Exodus uh, passage that he was pointing out is the onset of Moses and his brother Aaron. Their Aaronic line of priests. That's, yeah, I, I know where that's going to. Amaramba ding dong. Yeah, however you say it. Amaramba ding dong. Yes, sir. They wear their ephods on their chest. Well, hey, if you got more to contribute to that, go right ahead. And now you know why we call them jewels, right? <laughs> yep because them 12 things they wore on their chest those were the first jewels I guess so those are a couple uh-huh. easy things but as far as this thing coming back around I think the level that they'll be doing things probably has to do with how much people put up a fuss this time if nothing else and I know that again there's I've said this over and over again I know there's more to it than this if nothing else this whole thing has been a great big data collection scheme because minimally, that's what they're getting out of it. But I know they're getting a lot more than that out of this. But they, they, this, is, this is giving them so much information to work with with their modeling computers, these supercomputers where they're feeding data in and running plan after plan after plan after plan to see how things are going to pan out and all that. That's what they're doing with all this information. Okay, we know that people in this section, in this age, in this sex, in this race, in this religion, they've got all that crap. That's what they're doing with a lot of this stuff right now. They've got everything that everybody ever knew or who they knew or where they, they've got it all. But because I, they know I what you be, eat for breakfast off of Facebook. That's right. That's right. Um, I, I will be so surprised uh, if another shoe of size doesn't drop as we head into the fall. All the world's a stage, and I will be taken aback if we don't see that stage utilized. Uh, I don't think they can. I don't think they could do point two and just do it because they feel like it. Uh, feels to me like something big's got to accompany it. And uh, probably not going to like the way that looks, if I'm correct. By the way, another thing everybody can do, and I know I've brought this up a few times as well, get tight with your community. It doesn't have to be all about that you have to do everything, but flip this thing on these people's heads. Get people talking again, being cool with each other again. Start having coffee with your neighbors. You know, what you might be good at, they might not be, and vice versa. Do that. Maybe. Start getting yeah. together. Start having little, hey, man, you want to watch Shoot the Moon with 10 people? I'll give you a free promo code. Let me know. Yeah, maybe you could, instead of being alone together, you could be together alone. Wait a <laughs> minute. That doesn't work, does it? <laughs> You're still doing alchemy at so, that point? <laughs> 
uh, here's another thing. I mean, support small businesses, local businesses. That's too. what we try to do, yep. And, and that's the other thing, especially ones that go ahead and violate the governor's orders and, <laughs> and open when they're not supposed to be. It's like, hey, we go, support you. cash money. Just cash. Here, here, have some cash. Don't use your credit card or nothing. Give the people cash. Under the table, no taxes, nothing. I mean, just support the local businesses. Support each other. I mean, that's why it's important to uh, meet the people in your community. Know who... You know, who does what? Uh, this one has this local business. Go there. You know what I mean? Rather than go spend your money at these stupid big box retailers that don't need your money because they have it all already, support your local community. Support your neighbor. And they'll support you and, you know, be tight-knit because this is where it all starts. You know what I mean? If we're tight in our little community and everybody knows each other and has each other's back, then, uh, you know, when push comes to shove – your community is going to stick together and uh, not necessarily follow the dictates of the the higher power structure that that's coming down. This is this is how it all starts with with grassroots and stuff like that. Uh, it starts with your your local, your town, your your county, or whatever. Get involved with that kind of stuff. Make sure you know who your representatives and stuff are. That they're your neighbors and stuff that you you know personally. Make sure that you're getting represented the way you're supposed to with this stuff because when it comes down to it, like the, the larger aspects of government, the higher up the chain you go through state, federal, whatever, the less you're, – you're more of a number, the less of an individual you are. They don't care. They don't have your interests in mind. But at like a local level, this is where your interests are actually taken into consideration. So this is why it's important to get involved with this kind of stuff, get involved with your community, get involved with your local businesses, uh, you know, your local school district, even, or whatever, your local school, learn who these people are, who your neighbors are and get to know them. And you could have a little bit more say in what's going on and make a better future rather than just leaving it to somebody else in some high office somewhere in Washington, DC, who really doesn't give a crap about you or your family. Uh, and, <laughs> will just dictate things down to you. And and that's what it's about. Like be involved in your community. Like know who your neighbors are. It's important. I think we need to get that back. That's something we used to have in this country that doesn't exist anymore. Like I used to know who all my neighbors were when I was growing up. Now uh, I I have the luxury of, of knowing who my neighbors are now because of where I'm at in the small community I'm at. But like most towns in America you go to now Nobody knows who their neighbor is and doesn't trust their neighbor or know anything about them. So that needs to change, I think. Well, you could definitely shop local and, and support restaurants especially, things like that, the kind of people who uh, have been hit the worst. By the way, our friend David Weiss always says that they try to go – I don't remember if he said every day or as many days as they can, but uh, he and his wife always try and support local totally behind that. That's the same thing that Rose and I do when we want to go out. We always try and, and uh, help out – Anything besides a big box store, if possible. Uh, here's a couple more things you could do, though, that I thought of. Uh, what if you're part of a church of some sort? doesn't matter which denomination, which religion, whatever. Well, there's an easy excuse for you guys to get together and, and band together and, and try and make a, a tighter-knit community. What if you've got something else in common, like, I'm friends with a lot of people who are into Flat Earth. Well, get together in your local area. There's a lot of people who are very, very, very much into that now. Uh, if you have a bunch of Crow fans, a bunch of our listeners, 
there's a good reason to get together. We did it once last year. I'm dying to do it again, and believe me, I have plans to do so as soon as I have a better idea where and when we can do that. Uh, what if you're a musician? I know musicians very well. The, everybody will, in, a, in a small area will get to know each other. There's, these are just several things I threw out that you don't have an excuse to not get together with folks and start building your community in some way, shape, or form. Well, that's an interesting post by Kim H. Um, What's it's got a first-hand observation um, saying that the big houses in Hollywood are uh, emptying out. In Studio City, Los Angeles, most of the apartments are empty. Expensive homes are for sale. And many have already been sold. Hollywood is empty. That's interesting. And I have a friend, actually, who's in the uh, – he does work on films, but he's here. But he has connections out there. And he's barely had any work because – so much stuff has got shut down a lot of these people like everybody associates hollywood with like the dipshit celebrity actors and all that that's not the majority of hollywood most of hollywood are working class people they probably make a decent living and you would have to to be able to afford to live in that shit i mean that place but if they're not getting any work they can't afford to pay their bills so that might be your answer right there yeah, and Taxifornia, or California, sorry, <laughs> slip of the tongue there, is a very expensive place to live. So, I mean, a lot of people are, are, you know, leaving there in mass numbers to go to cheaper places. Learn to swim. <laughs> uh, see if anybody gets the tool joke. But anyway, um, you know, California and Hollywood and all that liberal nonsense, this is interesting. They just got flipped on their head in a lot of ways, even though the, the bad guys up top are pulling the strings the people who are just the mouthpieces who are saying all the nonsense and implanting all this crap in a lot of the entertainment uh, i don't think you have the luxury of just saying are you good enough to be a fan of ours they have to now cater or they're going to fail they have to cater to the people like you're selling a product again you don't have the luxury of every marvel movie is going to be amazing and all that that's it's over Sorry, guys, it's over. You had your chance, and you can keep pushing this nonsense, but I don't think anybody's really buying anymore. Well, it's not exactly like they cared. Look at the franchise. They it was the didn't. biggest franchise in the world, and they just ended it. Um, it tells you. Oh, yeah, Marvel's over. If anybody doesn't know this, Marvel's over, folks. I hope you enjoyed the 10 years. It makes no sense when you have a franchise like that. In the old days, it would have been like Men in Black, where they get progressively worse. Um <laughs> That might not be the best example, but people know where I'm going. Well, it's like Star um, Trek. You, they milked that to those guys just weren't really capable yeah. of doing it anymore. You know, it's like they kept going. They were doing it in wheelchairs and a green screen. Shatner um, making fun of it all the way, but you know what? He took that paycheck and I'm Captain James T. Kirk. Look at the strolling bones. They're still doing it. So how do you have something <laughs> as popular as, you know, the Marvel Universe and just walk away from it? Well, again, I think this this the bad guys up top, they had their agendas that they've been pushing and they still are and they've destroyed a lot of franchises over it, but the small people are now paying the price. If that's true, oops. If that's true by about, design though. Huh? They just they did that's by design. They just needed their title. They needed to write Endgame. <laughs> they needed to write that that's what's actually going on in a real it's world. The name yeah, in a real world, you don't <laughs> walk away from that kind of success. Or even something like Game of Thrones, for that matter. That was still extremely popular. And that's something in the old days that would never have... They would have they would have dragged that out until every actor was 80 if they could. Well, here's my point. Yes, 
it was intentional and all the crazy SJWs went along with it. But if this is true, what they said about Hollywood and all that in, in, in out in Los Angeles, they're now getting bit in the ass because of it. Because the controllers don't give a but, shit about you. But yeah, but they're really not. Um, this is a if they're war not getting paid on, to make what I'm working class people. That's you know, what I'm saying. The working class people aren't getting paid, so they can't afford that's, to live there anymore. That's the same everywhere right now, though. That was the game plan. Right, um, but these what people I'm interested who fought, in they, they are the act big like houses, you know, empty, or the big mansions emptying out. Um, those are mostly not working class people. No, but the apartments are. But what I'm getting at is all these people who want to push all of this nonsense, a lot of those people, you know, the ones who are having Twitter wars with nobody, that they're, they don't have jobs now because no one wants their crap. I mean, it's, it's happening. Yeah, there's a new world. They're taken apart from the bottom up. But anyway, that's my point. So we'll see what happens in the year ahead. I, I don't know how they can keep making multi-million dollar blockbusters with nobody going to the movie theater or even being allowed to go to the movie theater. So anyway, we've only got a few minutes left here, guys. Uh, is there anything we want to get in before we sign off for the week? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll do it first because I do got to hit the rack. Um, I just queued up the email for 10 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, 2.19 with Jason and I is going live tomorrow covering Mr. Henry Kissinger with a sneaky title because we're doing our best not to get censored. We lost <laughs> three episodes this week. Dr. Andy Kaufman. Um, I don't even remember. They were all medical episodes that got censored. Or oh, gay. yeah. Why don't you talk about that a moment? Because we didn't really mention that all that much. Well, it's a bit baffling. Um, one of them got hit because I used a clever title. One flew over the Cocos nest, but I spelled flew F-L-U. Um, <laughs> so it, it got censored at some level. But the one with Dr. Andy Kaufman, that was just us talking. And he was citing um, other works and peer-reviewed papers. And they, they pulled it. And um, at first, it was a strike uh, when they pulled it. But then when I got the notification that I posted on Twitter, it claimed that there was no strike. Not that I give a damn anymore because I am more than ready to walk away from YouTube at any time. I don't even answer the comments. I don't even police the comments anymore. It's how done with YouTube I am. They forced everything into this new interface, which completely abridges your ability to even know a fraction of the things you did before. Uh, they're screwing with how ads work in a new way. They're making you self-assess your own work so that if they pull your video when you said it was okay, then they have more leverage to screw with you. Um, point is, is we've had a number of videos that had no, it's shameful that these videos were pulled. Yeah. We didn't down anyone. We didn't cause trouble. We cited peer reviewed papers. We cited real science actually. Um, and it all got pulled. So, um, Anyhow, I guess the reason we're talking about this is because of the clever title we had to use for tomorrow. Because <laughs> I'm guessing if you talk about a 95-year-old Hebraic man, to be careful, um, you never know what shotgun's going to get put in your face. Right. And just to kind of give everybody a clue, what we did was what Crow and I are very good at. We built a timeline on what Henry Kissinger did all the way back into his youth and all the way up to today because he's still alive. And he was involved with so many things. And early on, as soon as you start hearing the, word, the words military intelligence, uh, game's over, man. You don't know what's real and what's not. Well, they could fabricate anything from that point. So this guy had his hands in the pie early. Lots of pies, in fact. And he 
shaped a lot of the things. He had, well, he had to do with a lot of the, the shaping world. of the way things went, uh, pretty much from the 1950s on. Right. He's. I think it's legitimate to compare him with Ed Bern, Edward Bernays. Of all the people that we've kind of pointed out that you can provably demonstrate exist and provably demonstrate had an effect, I would say Bernays maybe has had as big effect on the world that we live in here in the West as anybody, but I think you could easily equate Kissinger with that kind of Bernaysian mindset of just undermining all the rules and trying to do it in a way that looks legitimate. Um, and by the way, the dude's born in Bavaria, so we probably should have looked to see if he's related to Adam Weishaupt. <laughs> Nothing would surprise Wouldn't doubt me. it. Wayne, what would you like to uh, say before we sign off here? Uh, nothing, just looking forward to that episode because uh, I'm sure you guys found some really interesting stuff about uh, Dr. Kissinger because, uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, he's he's got, had his hands in everything, everything. Even if you start looking at the whole ufology field, he even has his hands in that. So, you know, that should give you an indication of just the level of deception involved with uh, some of the stuff that he had his hands in. So. It'd be interesting to hear what you guys came up with. All right. Well, let's call it a night. Wayne, why don't you just let everybody know about your books and all that good stuff? All right. My books are available on Amazon or at uh, any other fine book retailer. Uh, they're called The Alchemical Tech Revolution, Fulfilling Ancient Esoteric Agendas Through the Use of High Technology. And my more recent book is called The Autism Epidemic, Transhumanism, Sturdy Little Secret. Uh, currently working on a third book, which I'm looking for uh, a release sometime this summer. Might wind up pushing it back again, depending on what you know things unfold uh, in the coming months here, because this is really drawing out. I wasn't expecting uh, to have to like add in stuff that's going on as current events, but uh, it, it definitely is all very uh, pertinent to the time. But I'm working on my third book. That one's going to be called Cybernetic Messiah. Uh, building the Antichrist system. So uh, it, that one's interesting. That one will be coming soon. And uh, that's pretty much it. I could be found at uh, Files from the Conspiratorium on Facebook, or uh, I do have a YouTube channel called Alchemical Tech Revolution. Don't really post an awful lot on there yet. I plan on utilizing it a little bit more in the near future. But uh, for right now, that's about all I have time for is to really just maintain the, the Facebook page. So uh, with that... You know, I'll be here every Wednesday night. So I, I don't know what just happened, Jason. I was trying to copy the chat and that crashed. So I don't. Are you still on the air? Yeah. My entire chat. Yeah, we're still hmm. on the air. I was trying to copy it and everything crashed. I lost the entire window. I can't open it. So that's all right. We're signing off now. So join us tomorrow again at crow triple seven radio dot com. C R R O W seven 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 radio dot com. That is the only real crow site, by the way, because there are a couple of shitbags out there who are putting out stuff and stealing from us. So karma will bite them. Crow, any final words? Yeah, PayPal might bite them too. Looks like that might happen. But uh, no, just be good to each other. Treat you, you know, if someone needs help, give them help. Um, big part of what's just happened is the first step of alchemy was applied to all of us. It's called the breaking apart division. Um, as we learned rightly from Clive to Carl today, you look at a city like LA and ever wonder why there's two NFL teams. It's because that city's gotten so big it needs to be divided from within. Hmm. Um, the division that goes on is a just as primary a tool, just not as long lasting 
as the media. The media is the primary problem for us all. But the division, you can undermine the division by being good to people, by helping people, and by understanding those who don't understand. Because at the end of the day, you might be pissed off they don't get it, but they are, in fact, victims. That's what I would add. All right. Join Crow and myself on Sunday. Same bat time, same bat channel, but oh, actually not the same time. I always uh, forget about that. We will be on at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, but on this channel. And that's going to do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for being here as always. Thank you to all the super chatters, and we'll see you soon.
Oh, to see 